0: Welcome to the Midweeks with Pastor Rob. Today we're going to continue looking at Romans 9 through 11, some of the most challenging passages in the New Testament and in the Bible, and therefore in the world. And if you were with me last week, you'll remember I I was trying to give a framework for how I understand these chapters together. Paul is in the book of Romans, and he's presenting his gospel to the Church of Rome, which is a mixture of Gentiles and Jews together. And he's presenting his gospel um, for, I'm sure, a few reasons, but one of the big ones is he wants to come to them And gain support from them so that he can be launched into Spain on further missionary work. And so he's presenting his gospel to them, but also with an application that this is a prominent church in Rome that is a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. And so he's presenting his gospel in a way that it would impact and edify them specifically. And what I said last time, if I'm uh, remembering correctly, is that there were kind of three key uh, verses, three key ideas that I'm using as a framework to help me navigate through this thing. And the first one is this, that Paul is defending the word of God. So he says in chapter nine, verse six, it's not as though the word of God has failed. And so he's he's wanting to prove that what is going on with the Israelite people, the Jewish people, at the time of his writing is not indicative of a failure of God's promises and the faithfulness of his word, but he's proving that God is fulfilling his word And that he will completely fulfill his word. Uh, The other thing we said was that Paul is explaining to them a situation where he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers. A partial hardening is coming on the Jewish people until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. And so as I understand it, this is actually his main program through these chapters is to try to explain what God is up to um, with the fact that at the preaching of the gospel for the first hundred years way more Gentiles came into the church than the Jewish people. Not that there were none, not that there were even few. For the early years, it was all Jewish people. It was based in Jerusalem. Um, The apostles are all Jews, so it was very Jewish. But as the years went on, the gospel came out of Jerusalem and was being really welcomed by many 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 gentiles so that you know i think even within paul's lifetime there would be many more gentile believers than there would be jewish believers and so that needs some explanation how come god's people who are the physical descendants of abraham um, seem to be rejecting the gospel or a large portion of them and so he's explaining what is happening he says i don't want you to be ignorant meaning what that it's possible to not understand what's going on. It's possible to be clueless. It's possible to not have the correct knowledge here. So he's educating them and how to understand their moment in history through the lens of God being faithful to his word and that he will be faithful to his word. And then the last thing I said was that um, you, we need to remember the last portion of chapter eleven where Paul says, you know, oh the depths of the riches. And the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, inscrutable his ways, for who has known the mind of the Lord, and who has been his counselor, or who has given him a gift that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And the reason I think these passages are so important is that Paul, through these three passages and everything beforehand as well, is 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 being very God centered. God's glory is the most important thing. God's purposes being fulfilled are the most important thing. His wisdom that he is ruling the world through is just beyond human judgment. And we, can, we can begin to understand it through revelation. As God reveals what he's doing, we can begin to understand it and have our ignorance removed, but we can never judge it. We can um, see it and worship it or in unbelief reject it, but we can't judge God. We can't judge God. His, his wisdom is unsearchable. He knows what he's doing. And so Paul ends this section in uh, a long um, explosion of praise and worship. And so what I'm saying is that if, we're, if we aren't coming out of this section actually saying, you know what, God is beyond my understanding. I, I, under, I understand what he's saying to me, but I cannot judge him. All I can do is worship him in his greatness. Then we're not totally understanding it. So these three things, God's, Paul is um, defending the fulfillment of God's word that his word isn't broken or failing that he's revealing what is going on in the partial hardening of the Jewish people in the first century and the incoming of the Gentiles and what God's plan is for all of this and that uh, in response to this we, we have to worship and bow down before God's power wisdom and sovereignty and so those are my three key points and I'll keep coming back to it because I think that those landmarks Um, help us to navigate this complex argument without losing the thread. So what I want to do is I want to come to chapter 9 then and just make some comments on the first five verses. And so I'll read it to you. It says this, Paul says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises to them belong the patriarchs and from their race according to the flesh is the christ who is god overall blessed forever amen and amen what awesome holy words Um, the beginning of chapter nine is one of the hardest right hand turns anywhere in paul's writings there's a few places where it's can seem difficult to kind of follow his thread and why one moment it seems like he's talking in one direction and then all of a sudden he changes subjects. Um, It happens at the end of uh, 2 Corinthians, so much so, um, I think it's, you know, at chapter 9 again, so much so, maybe chapter 10, sorry, um, that some people suggest it's actually two letters put together because there was a while when scholars really liked suggesting that Paul's letters were just a bunch of letters cut and pasted together. Uh, there's these weird fads in scholarship sometime that aren't helpful. But what's the deal with this hard right-hand turn? So what I'm thinking here, you know, if you're going to make a right-hand turn on a street and you're driving 100, uh, crazy things happen. You know, you usually slow down and... Uh, take the corner in a way that keeps you on the road, um, and that doesn 't seem to be happening here he's Paul is working really hard at one thing in Romans eight, and then all of a sudden it seems like he 's doing something completely different in romans nine well, it seems like that, and so it 's important to understand what 's going on there if we don't understand why this transition t- um, is happening you know it it doesn't help us understand why Romans nine through eleven are in scripture, and so Romans eight ends with Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So much um, confidence. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord this is some of the most confident language ever and then all of a sudden and the very next breath he is expressing great sorrow and unceasing anguish so what in the world is going on here um And I I think two things are happening okay and this has to do with what we're talking about these foundations he's he's trying to prove the faithfulness of God's word and he's trying to help understand what's going on in the history of the world especially with Israel and I think this is the question that could come up here is Paul saying through faith in Jesus we conquer and we cannot be separated from the love of God and so someone could say what about israel by and large they're not coming to christ so isn't this evidence that sometimes god's word fails and if it failed for israel why wouldn't we expect it to be able to fail for the gentiles and as Paul is explaining his response to that this is what I think is going on he doesn't want to let people come across or think of him as somebody who's hard-hearted towards Israel is angry or offended at Israelites or is rejecting them personally doesn't want somebody to come along and say well Paul is just hates himself and hates his um, Jewish background and so he's going to preach that God is rejecting them or something like that. And so he says, look, I am telling the truth here. And he appeals to three things. I'm speaking the truth. Number one, in Christ, my conscience bears me witness and it's in the Holy Spirit. So between Christ and the Spirit and my own knowledge of myself, I'm telling the truth that I am in sorrow and anguish for the sake of the israelite people because of what's going on there so he's committed to them and he's grieved and he believes in god's promises in their life and he lists all these things that according to the flesh um, god has given to israel the promises the adoption the law the worship um, the patriarchs and he's saying even from their race comes the christ so jesus is a jew and so He's saying like, I am in anguish over what's going on with my people. And so um, we need to, as we come to this passage, I'm just going to, I'm not going to go any further than here. We need to hear Paul saying this. Number one, he is not just being like a theological scholar. He is heart and soul um, invested in the Israelite people. And his practice was to always go to the Israelites first and preach in the synagogues first, because Christ came for the Jew. And even at the beginning of Romans, he says, you know, salvation comes first to the Jews, and then to the Gentiles. And this is a running theme here. And so he's appealing to his Jewish audience that's hearing him in Rome, and he's saying, look, I I am broken over um, the salvation of the Israelites, over my people. I, I never get away from the pain of knowing that many of them are rejecting their God and the Messiah. And he's saying, I I even could wish that I would be cut off from Christ for their sake. I wish I could go to hell so that they could go to heaven. That is impossible to be so faithful to Jesus and believing in Jesus that you're cut off from Jesus. To want to sacrifice yourself for the gospel, for other people's sake. That's really impossible. It's an impossibility that you could be so full of faith in God that you're cut off from God. That's impossible. So he's saying, I wish that I could do that, but I can't. It's just, it won't work. Um, uh, and, and it's a Christ like desire to be willing to sacrifice yourself for other people to be saved. That's what Christ did. That's why he came. But he's saying, like, I take this topic so seriously. I am, w- what I'm about to teach you does not come out of any anger, out of any hate, out of any rejection, out of any shallow emotions or anything. I'm heart and soul invested in this topic. And then there's this huge but. But. It's not as though God's word has failed. It's not as though the problem is with God's godness. It's not his power isn't the problem. His holiness isn't the problem. His faithfulness isn't the problem. His word is not the problem. And so I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to just leave this with the reminder of these three foundations, defending God's word, explaining God's will for Israel at the present time, and calling the church to just bow down before the wisdom and sovereignty of God through what's going on here and being written by somebody who is so passionate about the people, so passionate about the salvation of his countrymen that, you know, it's almost like it's his right because he is a Jew and he carries the burden of the salvation of Jews so deeply that he is actually like the perfect messenger to talk about these things in scripture so as we're reading romans 9 through 11 as we're thinking about i want us to just hear the truthfulness that paul as a theologian here is not writing just from a comfy chair in some university somewhere he is a man who's devoted his life to preaching the gospel to people who by and large reject it and he is so deeply burdened that he never gets away from the pain of his care and concern about his people coming to know Christ. And so this is the context here. Let's not um, treat this as just theological. Let's be burdened. And let's even let Paul's burden for his people impact us. Like, God, where's our burden? For our people group or for a people group, would you also invest with us this Christ-like desire to weep over unbelief and to seek and to pray that something would change even as we depend on you and declare that you are good and wise and just in everything you do so be blessed I'm really grateful for you tuning in I really really am grateful and I pray that uh, God's word would, would be at work in your life in Jesus name Amen